Emma. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Brent? I'm doing really amazing. Um, thank you for joining me for a conversation today. Um, for those who don't know you, Emma, um, you are a part of System76 as a customer happiness manager, which I love that title. And uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what, what that's about? Uh, well, as a customer happiness manager, I manage our technical support and customer service team, but I also help plan um, community events and um, celebrations internally. So pretty much just trying to make all the employees happy at the same time as making our customers happy. That's amazing. And I feel like you're the perfect person for that too. Um, in terms of internal happiness, I heard maybe that today might be a birthday for you on the day that we're recording. Yes, it is System 76's birthday and nobody knows what I had planned. So I feel like really sneaky today. <laughs> Yesterday I had, uh, I had prepared this little, um, it's called 14 Years of Memories and it's a box of framed photos. So we don't have any photos of ourselves up here. So um, I want them to go on the wall at System 76, but I put them in a box like as a riddle and in like consecutive order. So it's like a history of memories at System 76. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it turned out really cute. So I'm really excited for Carl to open that. I'm going to have him open it um, at, after this and we're going to do a cake, which I have little cake toppers that also show who System 76 is and <laughs> that's amazing yeah it's crazy to know it's been 14 years but wow yeah that's a huge milestone really and a lot has happened for system 76 in the last 14 years too that's that's really amazing yeah it is it is really crazy it's awesome i just love i love our whole little community it's our our company culture is so awesome that we're all such a family and we have so much fun inside and outside of work. You know, that's exactly the feeling I got as well, um, especially when I first met you. Uh, but also I met some of the others from System76. Um, and and that's the feeling I got over and over. It was like that everyone is so happy to be a part of that family and uh, that there's an investment there, right? If you're a part of it, then you really care, which is huge. Yeah, happiness is definitely important at System 76. And for me, I just love happiness. <laughs> I just think it is like orange is the new black, happy is the new sad for sure. <laughs> it's not something people think about spreading, but if you think about like sadness and the trolls online, they spread all of that negativity all day long. Hmm. And it's very toxic. But when you spread happiness, it is super contagious and it just spreads like wildfire and can make so many people's days just by focusing on making other people happy. Oh, I love that. How, how did you first decide to take happiness and kind of send it out to other people like that? Like, was there a moment that kind of made that just seem like a dedication for you? I don't think there was really a moment. I just, I think everyone is looking for happiness. And I think like 10 years ago, I started writing on this story called The Happiness Corp. And I never, I never finished it, but I've started to blog about it some more. And I'm, I'm just thinking about it, how 10 years ago, I was trying to make this role 
of a happiness manager inside a company. And it's really cool that I've done that, but it just, it seemed so far away 10 years ago that it just seemed far-fetched and fake. But I just realized that it could be a real thing and that it actually can benefit a business and your personality in your life, really. Wow, that's huge. Uh, especially when you can bring positive energy in all aspects of your life, right? Um, from work to home to to your uh, moments doing your own work, like that story that you're writing. Uh, if you can bring that into all those aspects and also share it, uh, that feels super powerful. Um, and I would say that you're succeeding for sure. Anyone I know who's met you uh, has only really amazing things to say about you. You and I met first at Linux Fest Northwest. That's two years ago. Um, and anytime we're in the same room together, we seem to be howling with laughter about a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of things. So, uh, that has felt like a real treat. Um, and, and just makes it easy to be around you and makes everybody feel really great. So uh, you're totally, you're totally doing it. Well, thanks. Working at System76 is a huge part of my life, um, but I am really into pinball, which is, it's kind of a hobby that I, I just did kind of for fun for a little while, like once a month, but now I've gotten into the habit of going every Tuesday you're like a professional. I know, right? But I'm actually not that good. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I'm only good at some of the machines. <laughs> I thought I was good until I saw this one guy a couple weeks ago going to town. He had like dance moves, like he had his feet were positioned. I mean, his angle of his back, the heart, the how hard he hit the buttons. I was like, I have nothing on this guy. He is clearly a pro. Wow. <laughs> I couldn't, I recorded him because I was, I was tweeting about it at the time because I was like, man, it is really weird to, to record this person and share it. But you guys really have to see this guy's moves in action. Like dude got like a hundred and something thousand on the Wizard of Oz pinball machine, which is, is a super low scoring, annoying, it's annoyingly low scoring. Um, it doesn't follow any sort of pinball logic for points. Um, so anyway, I can never get past like 10,000 on that one. Dude's at 125,000, like jumping all over the machine. He actually broke a sweat. And I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I'd never seen a quarter last that long. I just couldn't believe it. It's a really good investment of a quarter, obviously. I know, right? I'm like, I'm in like $10 later. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm only at 10000 <laughs> But That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up going through my, my phone just trying to clear stuff out. And I saw that video from two weeks ago and I just laughed out loud because I never shared it with anybody, but I talked about it and I know it's there and I can watch it for um, research purposes. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's uh, training, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. But I am very good at the South Park one, which is right next to the Wizard of Oz at the particular place I go. Okay. That one took me a while to understand how to get more points. But once I figured it out, um, I, I'm number four on the the leaderboard now. Oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. I want to be number one but I don't want to go bankrupt doing it. 
Well, it takes time, you know, you got to dedicate to it and put your time in. <laughs> um, tell me what it is about pinball that really attracts you. Like what, what is, what is grabbing you about it? I think it's just a, a unique game. Um, it has a lot of moving parts and pieces that you have to really think about. Um, it's a, it's just an interesting product. Uh, it's got the machines, the sensors, the lights, um, I like to see how creative people can make it and how many different scoring methods that they can come up with, um, how many little secret doors and uh, windows and little holes and, you know, getting the multi-balls. I just, all of it is just so exciting. And I just, you can't get bored playing around a pinball. You just can't. <laughs> so I think it's it's just an important little game that people can play that you don't need very much skill for, but you can still enjoy. Yeah, I I really admire those games where anyone can play, no matter your skill level, like you just mentioned, but also games where you're actually just playing against yourself. And so the more skill you get, the obviously the, the better you feel about your performance and other people, like pinball is super fun to watch if you're watching the right person, obviously, like you just mentioned, right? Yeah. But, but you're not taking anyone else down by winning. It's like everybody has their own chance at, at doing well for whatever that means uh, for them at that time, right? So yeah. those style of games, I really, really enjoy. That's why I was thinking if I should go pro or not, because I'm... <laughs> what does that mean? I know. They 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 have like pinball tournaments in Colorado, like oh, a lot of them. Okay, right. Like it's a huge thing for, well, to me, it looks like a huge little community, but... <laughs> Um, I was debating if I should do that, but just like, <laughs> like you said, what makes it fun is you're not playing against anyone. So if I, I'm really competitive, but <laughs> also I don't want to take the fun away from pinball. So I haven't like competed against anybody. Have you experienced one of those tournaments before? I I've watched a couple. Yeah. Okay. So you know what it's all about. Yeah. And I know some of their skill levels and I know that I would just get laughed out of there. <laughs> but do you get to play for free? Oh, I don't know. Like in the sense that you don't have to spend the quarter? <laughs> it might be something. No, I think you have. There's no way to override the quarter capabilities of a pinball machine. That's how they get you. Yeah. Um, I hadn't played pinball in a very, very, very long time. Like basically since I was a kid, I would say. Um, and recently uh, at the Jupiter Broadcasting Sprint that we did in late August, um, we right across from the hotel that most of us were staying in, there was an arcade like this. And uh, you should see everyone at Jupiter Broadcasting and how exciting that is. So we did spend some time there and I got to play some pinball and it was such a nostalgic experience. Um, of course, I was terrible and I never was any good, um, but it was still super, super fun. And what I uh, really enjoyed was that it's so simple. You just have two little paddles, right? Um, but like you were mentioning, um, there's a real creativity to it and this excitement and everybody plays a little bit differently. And, you know, some people have their certain strengths and weaknesses and stuff. And that, so that whole world just became really fascinating to me again. And I had, I had no idea you were going to bring that up today, but it, it brings me back, right back to that experience. So I can kind of connect with uh, why that feels so fun to you. Well, that's that's where you'll find me on Tuesdays. <laughs> and I'm usually by myself. So if I'm drinking a beer and tweeting at, on Tuesday night, that's I'm probably at an arcade. 
because I'm such an adult. <laughs> I feel like things that we do on a weekly basis are super powerful. Um, there's a quote that I came across uh, recently. It's it's on my wall, but it's those kind of things that you forget about for a while and then you see it again. Um, and it's by Jordan Peterson. And he mentions that um, the things, the mundane things that you do in the everyday become your life. And if you expand that just slightly, it's like, well, the, the things that you manage to squeeze into your week every week or even your every morning, right? Um, are actually super important for your happiness and your, your well-being and, and how you sort of define yourself, right? So um, that you go every Tuesday and that you've been going for six years and that it still gives you that much joy, is it sounds like a really an amazing thing. So kudos to you for finding that. Well, we're actually, um, so we're having, I've done a couple System 76 events at, at the Barcade too, um, but we're actually having our super fan happy hour at one of the barcades downtown. So I'm pretty excited to show off my pinball skills, lack thereof, to the the super fan group. That's awesome. I can imagine a lot of those people are going to be right into that. Yeah, it's like a week away, dude. I'm so excited. <laughs> Have you been practicing to try to like shape up your skills, I guess? Well, I can't because it's at the it's at the barcade downtown and I don't want to drive downtown every Tuesday. It's not your usual hang. And their knobs are like, they don't really clean their buttons as much. So like some of the pinball machines don't behave as well as the others. So I think that's kind of gross. So my score is probably going to be different, but that's just excuses <laughs> for me. I mean, if you really think about it, right? I just want to put that out there. But yeah, I'm excited to to play like four player Pac-Man with the super fans and Loosen up before the the Saturday event. It'll be awesome. I've I've been hearing from a lot of people, um, especially Cheese. He's super excited about the super fans thing, and um, it it I would imagine aligns really well with your spreading happiness and getting people involved and and just sharing the love, right? So when is the date that um, this is happening? So people are flying in Friday and uh, Friday the fifteenth. I want to say. Um, and then we're, I'm going to go meet them somewhere, I think at the hotel. I don't really know all the details, like the nitty gritty, but I know I get to go meet everyone and greet them. And then we're going to do a happy hour, uh, just to kind of loosen everybody up and get to know each other and play some games. So I imagine that's going to be an extremely fun time. And basically <laughs> what the super fan event is, is we fly 10 10 people out here that have shown us that they do awesome stuff with open source or system 76 or pop OS and um, people that really put a lot of time and effort into their projects uh, get flown out here and treated like the nerdy royalty that they deserve for a whole weekend. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then after the shenanigans of the event, we do a round table and the round table is giving each fan a voice about what they want to see from our company and our software and our hardware. Oh, wow. So I think that's something that's really cool because the community has really shaped our company. And like our super fan, our last super fan, we unveiled those Thaleo prototypes, which that was mm -hmm. something I think they didn't really expect. Um, but 
you know, those super fans had a lot of impact in shaping how we built this open source computer. So I'm excited to see what the roundtable comes up with this year. But there's also a lot of not serious uh, things going on, like Nerf. There's like a box of 20 Nerf guns and a lot of bullets. Just sitting there just in case. <laughs> I, I mean... I don't, I don't really have the whole idea of the event, the Saturday event. I just know I'm going to be there and I'm going to do whatever they want me to do. Um, because marketing is the one that, that plans everything. Okay. But I do know that I, there's a lot of Nerf guns and there's some like wiggle trikes and drones and asteroids. I don't know what a wiggle trike is. Man, I'm gonna, I'll send you a picture of it. It's this trike that you, you just turn the handlebars left and right. And it has this obnoxious squeaking sound. It's like, <laughs> and like, it goes really slow, but man, is it funny. When you put an adult on one of those in a unicorn mask, it is hysterical. Like, so it sounds like the blog post celebrating all the events that happened uh, at the Superfans uh Meetup will be quite hilarious. I I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I we're gonna have some good photo ops, and I guess they're they're like transforming the factory. <laughs> it's gonna be like all black and dark, like space and stuff, and they have to go on secret missions. And there's gonna be a a cool unveiling with have a fog machine to do the last part of it. It's gonna look so cool, like space. <laughs> That sounds unbelievable. It is so nerdy and amazing, and I can't wait. <laughs> well, that's one thing I love is um, like that we get to celebrate our sort of nerdiness and not shy away from it and celebrate it with a bunch of other people who are also loving it just as much, right? And it seems like you guys are definitely, you definitely know how to have fun with it. So <laughs> I can't wait to hear all of the things that happen. That sounds really unbelievable. Uh, so Emma, I wanted to ask you about um, something that might be a little bit sensitive. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your summer and how your experience this summer went. Oh, so it started off with an accident, a terrible accident. I'm trying, you can see I'm prepping for something funny here. That's why it sounds like I'm smiling because I am. Um, but it was a terrible accident. I broke my ankle and my leg on May 23rd. You were telling me about this when it first happened and you sounded so like discouraged. And I was trying to convince you like, no, no, it'll be okay. <laughs> it, it was really, really sad because I was like, wow, I like to run all over the place and I like to go hiking. There's so many things I do with my ankle and my leg that I need. <laughs> you know, it's like an important body part. <laughs> For most of us, right? Yeah. So it was so gross. Like it was facing the other way and I was just. Oh no, really? Yeah. And I was screaming and it was, it was a crazy day, but what happened afterwards? So it was, so I consider the start of summer, like the end of May. So you book a bunch of holidays and stuff like that, I'm sure, right? Yeah. I had three vacations booked, um, one for the 25th which was a day after or two days after. Oh, man. So couldn't cancel it. There was nothing I could do. Um, so I was like, okay, I guess I'll go. <laughs> 
And, <laughs> yeah, right. And I had my leg was just, it was just together with like a splint and ace wrap because, you know, they can, they reset the bone so it wasn't facing the other way, but they couldn't do any surgery. So it was, it was like really swollen and disgusting and large. And I was on crutches and crutches are the worst, the worst. Oh, man. And so what was this trip, though? Uh, it was to Steamboat Springs. So in Colorado, uh, a lot of people do staycations. Um, so you go to just a little mountain town, um, a little tourist mountain town and pretend to be a tourist, basically. Right. Well, Colorado is so beautiful. Yeah. And it's all so different. So each little mountain town has its own little personality. So this one was Hot Springs. Um, couldn't get my leg wet though, because I had all the stuff on it and it's like, I can't just let it dangle. So I had to keep the stuff on it. It's not like I could take it off for a minute. So I um, pretty much spent the entire time watching Law & Order reruns on USA in my hotel room with my leg up, calling my sister, asking for McDonald's and stuff. Oh, that's so sad. So it was a pretty, that was really boring. Anything I tried, it just didn't work. Like I realized that handicap accessible places just don't exist really. Like, oh, wow. Like I think that it really has to be consciously thought about when you're making a business. And if you don't know someone that's handicapped, that it's necessary, it's not something that's thought of. I think they follow like the laws that they need to follow, but. Like the bare necessity or whatever, right? Yeah, but it's not easy. Like, it is not easy being handicapped. And I feel really bad for people that are. So it, it must have changed your perspective completely on on just traveling through the world, right? Oh, yeah, totally. And I was also supposed to go to SELF, which was a Linux conference. And I had like this whole thing planned where I was going to hand deliver a laptop to Zeb. It was first time in the USA wanted to let him like have a proper Linux laptop and review it for the weekend and had to cancel that trip, which was super sad. But after I um, did that little vacation, I went and had surgery at the beginning of June and I thought I was getting better for a little while. And then I got an infection on the surgical site. Oh no. It was not fun. So I had to go have two more surgeries and stay in the hospital. Um, I stayed in the hospital for a while. Uh, it it wasn't fun. I don't. I really didn't like the hospital. I didn't like the the way the nurses treated me, and it just it was. I felt helpless, basically. But I found the happy. I found the happy. If anyone's gonna find it, it might be you, right? Yeah. So they have these little um, these little ice cream cups that are Ben and Jerry's. And it was like this little, this cute little thing on the menu. It was like a piece of chocolate cake, a piece of pie, a Cherry Garcia Ben and Jerry's mini pint thing. <laughs> it's just enough for a couple bites, but it was the perfect amount. And you could tell like... Doctors had something to do with that sizing. <laughs> I ordered that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I don't know, did I send you? 
Did I send you the pancake? I took pictures of my pancakes and ice cream because I had that in the hospital. You know, you didn't, but you certainly taught me a thing or two about brunch when you and I went uh, for breakfast together um, at, at this last Linux fest. Um, and I want to tell that story a little bit. Um, so we got to go for breakfast in a small little town that uh, Chris from Jupiter Broadcasting, he, he uh, grew up in. And he said, oh, yeah, I used to, when I was in high school, I used to go to this cafe all the time. So you and I got the experience of of going to this cafe, which was like, uh, maybe cafe is the wrong word. It's more of like a really classic diner, um, which was fun in itself for sure. Um, and you walked in, it felt like a little tiny bit of a time warp, but, uh, so you and I sit down and I have a few allergies, so I had to kind of browse the menu quite carefully, but you seem to know exactly what you wanted. And, uh, when they came with your food, I started laughing out loud because, uh, well, what did you have for breakfast, Emma? Uh, a stack of pancakes with some ice cream on the side, which inevitably ends up on top with, with cream <laughs> and whatever other goodies I could put on there. And that day I learned that you know how to do brunch. So <laughs> that was pretty amazing. So it sounds like in some ways you found that experience in the hospital too. And that must have just brightened up here every day. Yeah. Yeah. That was how I got through it. And people visiting me, like my best girlfriend came and she gave me a manicure and brushed my hair and brought me a scrunchie and like just little girly things um, like that. Like my sister came and um, Carl, our uh, our owner at System 76, he came and visited with me for a couple hours. Um, so that that helps. So another thing that I wanted to say to people, if you do know someone that was in an accident or was hurt and is in the hospital and is going through surgeries, visitors definitely make all the difference. I know it's no fun being in a hospital, um, regardless if you're the visitor or the patient, but understand that the person in the bed has it way worse than you. So you can at least give them an hour of your time. Um, Cause it, it definitely does help the attitude improve for sure. You know, recovery is such an emotional, uh, there's such an emotional piece to it as well. Right. Uh, and it feels like if, if you can brighten someone's day like that, just by doing a visit, it, it totally changes everything for sure. Yeah. I was, I was starting to feel really helpless and I felt like I was never going to get better. And it was just really defeating to not be able to take a step like a normal human, you know? It's like all those things we take for granted, right? Yeah. And I had so many plans for the summer that like nothing, nothing panned out because I was literally in the bed the entire summer. But I had my laptop, so that was nice. Um, but my big thing this summer was that I wanted to take my dog out and learn paddleboarding with him on the paddleboard because I have a lake uh, right by my house, and it's it's just so beautiful. And it's like a thing where people take their dogs on their paddleboard, and I I just there's this one chick one time and she just seemed so confident and cool and relaxed and had her little pup there with his bandana. And I was like, I am doing that next year. So I really want to bring my dog to the lake and that still hasn't happened. So, so still a goal for sure. Yeah. I kept checking in on you every once in a while and you're like, Nope, still in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> still can't walk around. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely fell for you for sure. 
Um, but it sounds like now you're, you're definitely more mobile and able to do some walks with your dog again and, uh, feeling a little bit better, it seems right. So that's great. Yeah. He actually went to go stay with somebody else cause it was too overwhelming to take care of him. Um, so he has a new, new family now. I go see him on the weekends. Oh, that must be hard. Yeah. But my sister got a foster dog. Let me tell you about her. Her name is Trixie. <laughs> oh gosh. I can just imagine already. My sister and I, we own our house together cause we've just, we've done everything together our whole lives. Um, so she, she got a foster dog, an Anatolian shepherd. This dog is very huge. It, she's a hundred pounds. Um, she's very loud. You know, her bark is definitely, you know, conducive of her size. Uh, she doesn't like noises. So anytime you hear sirens, we back up to a very major street. Anytime you hear sirens, she just panics and she's barking all over, running back and forth in the house, like waggling her tail while she's barking. Like she, she, like she just wants to tell us what, what's going on. But she does that with the blender too. <laughs> oh, man. Every morning I make my smoothie lately. She comes in there and just yells at me while I'm in the kitchen. And I'm like, dude, I know. I'm sorry. It's only going to be another minute, another minute. And like with this Cuisinart one, it takes even longer. So she's like barking even louder for longer. And so it's like I can't let her out because it's super early and she's going to go out there and bark at whatever runs across the yard. So I just have to stand there and take it. You need like doggy headphones or something. Yeah, I just have to stand there and take it and let her yell at me. And I need to find a quieter blender if she's going to be acting up like that. Um, she doesn't like the vacuum either. Anything that makes noise, it sounds like. Yeah, like, okay, another thing. I love this show, Live Rescue, on, um, I think it's a &E or something. Live Rescue and Live PD. Can't even watch it anymore. Because of the sirens. Oh, oh, it's like a cop show or something. Yeah, it's like cops, but without shaky cameras and like all attractive people. It's all <laughs> exciting stuff. There's no wasted scenes. Um, but there are so many sirens. And oh, man, the first time I put it on when she was there, I knew that I couldn't watch that show anymore. So I haven't seen an episode in like a month. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's a treat. So she she was a foster. I say that she was a foster because she's definitely not going anywhere. I can't imagine my life without her. <laughs> I just love her. And I knew that fostering dogs would be a bad idea because I think I'll end up with like 10 dogs before next year. Um, has that like pet connection been a really nice thing for you? Yeah, because I, I was not a dog lover until... It was actually Linux Fest Northwest, I think, like two years ago. Really? Yeah, I had gotten into some conversations and it, it was a circle where all of us were talking about our pets. And I was talking about my cat. Um, oh, I have another story about my cat. I gotta tell you that. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't have a cat anymore. The story about that. Oh. So we're all just standing there. Everyone's showing how happy they are talking about their pets and like the dog people were just so much happier and I was just so confused. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I could I could tell though, like they were visibly happier. 
And their pictures were just adorable and dogs do really funny stuff. So I really considered it. I don't know if you remember um, Levi, too, was running around the parking lot two years ago and he caught one of the drones, right? I don't know if you remember that. That was really hilarious. Yeah, he's funny. But I just, um, I realized that I kind of like dogs and I just wanted to test it out to see if I was like super allergic because I know I, I used to be allergic to my best friend's dog. Okay. But he was super furry and fluffy. So I felt like if I were around dogs that weren't like that, then maybe I could keep one. <laughs> so uh, I ended up getting one and I I didn't think I could be happier, but I was actually, I got happier after I got a dog and it was bizarre. That's huge. It is. It is a crazy feeling. I I mean... Every time I left the house, I couldn't wait to get back when I when I wanted to see him. I named him Spaz Dude um, because he's kind of <laughs> spazzy. And I kept finding myself be like, why are you such a spaz, dude? Or like he like come sit on me like on my lap and he's like 60 pounds. He's like, I'm like, dude, spaz, stop it. And so there's a lot of dude and spaz. So. That's what he turned out like. (laughs) But now he's with a friend on a farm, which is happy. That's a pretty great life too, right? Yeah, it is for a dog. I want to dive in a little bit more into that, like you're growing your happiness quotient because it sounds like that's an amazing thing. And what is it about a dog that really did that for you? Um, They instantly put a smile on your face. So I think if you smile more, you definitely, you're happier for sure. Yeah, you feel it. Um, They just have this, like this dog in particular, Spaz Dude, has this energy where it's just like, I am so excited to see you. I've been waiting all day for you. Tail wagging, right? Yeah, I can't wait to tell you about all the things I did today, but I can't talk, so I'm not gonna, so I'm just gonna wag my tail. Um, (laughs) And it's just like, they look at you like they love you, and they... It's just so cute. It's like cuteness all the time. Every single thing they do is cute. And you can't do that with cats for some reason. Well, I want to disagree with you. Does everything your cat does, is that cute? Well, I have two cats, actually, so it's double cuteness. Oh, okay. Uh, We didn't have pets when I was growing up. So it was something I had to learn to love, I guess. Um, And so I had a bunch of wild cats crazy amazing experiences with some previous partners of mine like i've fostered squirrels and uh guinea pigs and rats and all sorts of things uh which i i don't think i would have done on my own uh, but someone helped me kind of you know pushed me a little bit to have those experiences you know fast forward and now i have two wonderful cats uh cosmo and and emmett and um they entertain me every single day like all the time, constantly. What do they do? What, what don't they do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say in many ways, um, some people have described my cats actually like not quite other cats, that they're quite different, which I, I don't know. I've only ever had two cats. Um, some also refer to them as gangsters, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, but they are always like, they're extremely affectionate towards me. I, I work from home, right? So I'm, I'm, often home. And so I'll be working on my laptop and they'll just be with me in a way that 
like you said, just increases my well-being of myself and my happiness and just makes me feel not quite alone, even though I work alone, you know, um, it's had a major impact on my, um, overall happiness. I would say even just having someone at home constantly. So you come home and there's this energy that they provide that's like nothing else. Right. Uh, and with dogs, cause I've experienced friends, dogs and, and partners, dogs and things like that. Dogs bring that to a whole other level where they're just like, Oh my God, you're home. Oh my God, let's go for a walk. Like they, they, um, it's like nothing else. So there's some people who haven't yet had that pet experience, but that really close bond that you build when you actually live with one. Um, and I find that they don't quite get it. Um, but I, it's something I hope that everybody can experience. Yeah. I think if you're, if you don't have allergies and you have the energy, if you're trying to increase your happiness, getting a pet is step number one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know that's a very big step, but, (laughs) but there's this way that like, they force you to have routine, which I think is really good for all of us. Um, and they also, as you know, force you to get outside, right? Even when it's snowing or even when it's pouring or whatever, you gotta kind of do something for them, which in turn increases the benefits for you, right? It's like this wonderful symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Everything about having a dog is amazing. So I would imagine you don't ever see yourself not having a dog in your life then. I, I probably won't be dogless. Um, for a while, especially living, I, I own my house with my sister, so I can't really like just get up and leave. And there's always going to be a pet there no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And it sounds like you, you can both share it too. Oh, but you want to know why there's no cats anymore? Oh, please tell me. Uh, I had this little cat Snickers and she's just so adorable. She's just such an adventurous little cat and um, thought she could be fine hanging out in the neighborhood, you know, just out outdoors all day. So her and my sister's husband's cat were outside. And over the period of two days, both of them got snatched by hawks. What? Yeah. And I was looking on, there's this app called Nextdoor. It's like Facebook, but for neighborhoods and less drama. But it's um, just neighbors talking about things that have happened. But this woman on Nextdoor... Um, when I went to go post that my cat was missing, the first post on there was my little white dog just got dropped by a hawk. Oh my goodness. She like went out there screaming after it and it dropped, it dropped the dog. Um, but after I saw that, I was like, I don't even know if I should put up missing posters. Like, should I even post that the cats are missing because they're clearly dead and they were food and that is sad. Oh, man. I decided not to get another cat because I don't like litter boxes anymore, for one. I never liked them to begin with. I just think it's gross. And, like, I can't stay on top of it, you know? So I decided not to get another one. And that is that is also another reason the dog came in. But, uh, yeah, that, that was pretty sad, losing both cats. But... I I wasn't like shaken about it. I'm like more devastated that my dog is at the farm, even though he's alive, more devastated that he's there, which is sad. But I don't know. They just, dogs and cats are different. So it sounds like you were a cat person and you're switching a little bit. Yeah, totally. I I always try to say, no, no, you can be both, but uh, you might be proving me wrong here. Yeah, they are definitely different feelings. Crazy. Um, For me, it's, it's really 
it's really the emotional connection that makes all the difference. Um, my cats have also saved my life once, which um, is a story in itself. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> okay, here we go. So I first got my cats when I was living in a tiny little um, sort of a tiny cabin, basically on the on the side of Lake Ontario. Uh, I was living uh, in a winery on a winery and they had this little cabin, which is kind of an amazing thing. And so I got my cats there. And it's just this little tiny place, which is pretty, pretty rustic and, but has all the, you know, everything you need, like a wood stove and stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> so I had my boys for a few, maybe a month up to that point. And uh, it was November at this time and, and it gets pretty cold. So uh, this thing wasn't insulated. You could see right through the cracks in the floor and, and they love that because they would always like get whatever, I don't know, it was always a game, right? They'd get bugs and stuff. Um, but this was like wood stove season and that was one of the main heating sources in this place. So, um, so I had just helped them reconstruct this, um, this wood stove. So it was kind of new piping and stuff like that. So I had had uh, many fires in it previously, but, uh, this one particular night it was super cold and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to really put a lot of wood in this thing and get it going so that it lasts sort of all night. Um, and what ended up happening was, uh, put a bunch of wood in, like I had done the last like 10 nights. No, no big deal. Uh, this time I had put a little bit extra, um, which seemed fine. And went to bed uh, with my partner and it was like any other day. Um, and then sort of got woken up in what felt like the middle of the night uh, by both of my cats running like crazy, circling all around us on our bed, like, wake up, wake up, wake up. Uh, and so I opened my eyes and I'm thinking, my first thought is like, oh, geez, what is happening? Like, this is such an uncomfortable feeling. Open my eyes and I can't see a thing because the entire cabin is filled with smoke then clearly it's like panic, right? So we grabbed the cats and we got out of there. Luckily there was a neighbor we can uh, hang out at and, and made sure everything was safe. Nothing was on fire, which is great. So that was the first number one thing. Um, but it turned out, so I went back the, the next day to kind of experiment a little bit and see what the heck went, uh, went wrong basically. And um, so it turned out that uh, the new stove pipes, I don't know, for what, whatever reason had... Uh, because I had the temperature really hot in there, the stove pipes, uh, the paint on the outside of them was like, I don't know, curing or something, but the paint on the outside of the stove pipe was smoking. And so it wasn't that smoke was getting in the room from the fire. It's that it was getting so hot that that paint was kind of, I don't know, doing something maybe that it wasn't supposed to. Uh, and the crazy thing about that is that, uh, so I, I made this huge fire the next day to figure this out and the smoke alarms went off and I was like, what the heck? Like, how come the smoke alarms didn't go off the night before when we needed them to? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was a crazy situation. Um, and it just made me like, uh, unbelievably grateful for both of my cats. Well, you could say potentially saving my life. Right. And, uh, so ended up fixing that problem and it was totally fine after that, but, um, kind of a crazy situation. That is crazy. My house burnt down when I was 16. What? No, I was 14 actually. To the ground was crazy. That does not sound good. Yeah. We all, we had to start all over. That was a crazy time. That's like most people's nightmare. Mm -hmm. What, 
what did that feel like as a, you said 14, right? 14 year old. I cried a lot. Um, but you realize that stuff, when stuff is all you lose, it's not that big of a deal because one insurance and two, like some of the photos were salvageable. So I think that's the only, the only things that really matter were the people in the photos. So got all that out. So that was good. The people in the memories, right? That's, uh, hmm. yeah, that's such an important perspective, right? It's like all of these things around us are, they don't, they don't make us and they don't really define us in any way. Right. It's, it's really the people you're with and, and those experiences that you create with those people. That's the stuff that really matters. Yeah. Wow. What an experience for you. That's crazy. Um, Emma, I wanted to ask you, um, where you would like to send people if they want to get connected with you. Um, probably Twitter at social happiness is my handle. That's where I like to spend my time. Actually wake up to Twitter every single day and watch like a series of cat videos. Um, check up on some of my favorite chick developers who say really funny stuff and see what podcasts are out that day. So tell me about um, some of those developers. Like obviously you um, wear a lot of pink, which I think you do. A, because you like it, but also I think because it attracts a lot of attention in a positive way, like in that this is who I am and I'm going to celebrate it. Uh, I feel like you're really, really good at that. Um, but what I've also noticed is that like you're a huge proponent of inclusivity for a bunch of people, uh, women, especially in tech. And it feels like, okay, if you integrate that into your every morning in your Twitter feed, uh, that must be a really powerful thing. So can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Exactly. So I like fill my mornings with happiness and power. So definitely start with the kitties and stuff. And then like women developers. Okay. I'm a fangirl. Okay. They don't know me. I've never had like one-on-one conversations with these chicks. So this is probably weird, but they'll say something like how they accomplished something that someone told them that they couldn't, or some man said something dumb and this is how they got through it. I love hearing those stories because women are so scared to talk about that stuff, but the ones that aren't, you can tell are like the successful, powerful, happy ones. And they're not doing it to complain. They're doing it to bring awareness. So I really like filling my day with that. Um, and I, I see them as powerful women and that gives me power. And then I get in my car and play Taylor Swift and I feel even more powerful it's like my day is just starting off with so much happy, so much powerful uh, energy that it just helps me ride out the day with the same kind of energy. It sounds like a beautiful routine for you. Yeah. It feels to me like such a shame in many ways that we still have to have this conversation in some ways, right? Like what you're saying is is such a beautiful thing. It's like people going and breaking down barriers, but it feels to me like that those barriers still exist is incredibly shameful in many ways for our society, right? It's like, it is. How have we not figured that out yet? But, you know, I think with, I'm probably going to be hated for saying this, but I think with um, people like Richard Stallman and um, there's some other like software developers in the InfoSec world, 
who are getting called out or taken out of positions of leadership when they're exhibiting this type of behavior. And I think that that is one thing contributing to why women are speaking up more. I know I'm more comfortable ranting about what some dude said to me last week um, because it's unacceptable for most people. I think it's a very small percentage left that like goes by the ideals of those people that were in leadership that shared that stuff with the masses that, that shouldn't have. Um, they created this subconscious bias in men that women aren't as good as them. Which is bullshit, right? Yeah, it, it sucks. And you can see that with, um, you know, pay gaps, the way men talk to women. Um, one of the most common things that men say um, to show you that they have this subconscious bias uh, is, can you ask one of your engineers and then the rest of the question? Oh, really? Yeah. So women hate this. Absolutely hate it. Um, because one, you're assuming the skill level right out the, the door. Like there's, there's no reason to preface a question like that. Just ask the damn question, you know, because putting the question like that is only going to make me type really hard, slap the desk, rant for a little bit to my coworkers <laughs> and then respond. So you're getting a delayed response. You're getting a half-assed response um, and you're going to get told now. Now I feel like I can tell you. So the other day this happened, this was in Telegram. Um, so I saw a couple of posts of this this week on Twitter, but um, it happened to me personally in Telegram earlier this week when someone said, uh, can you ask one of your engineers? And then he asked a, a question about core boot. And I knew the answer, I, but I got so mad I didn't want to answer. I was like, so I, so I just said uh, in the chat room, it was a public chat in the System76 fan club. And I said, you know, just, just a note, um, tried to make it a teachable moment. I said, me and maybe every other woman in tech really don't appreciate phrases like, can you ask your engineers this? And it kind of started something that I think was negative. I was trying to like show him, you know, I know you didn't intend to, but this is what that phrase does to women. And then another woman chimed in and she she agreed with me. But then he comes back so he he apologizes a couple times. Then he comes back and he says, uh, he says, I think the problem is that you assumed I was saying it in a sexist way. And instead of me, instead of him being the problem for saying it, he turned it around to me, assuming that he was sexist. Well, I think the reality is that it's it's both. And what I mean by that is like that there's these such ingrained sort of sexist ideas in everyone that are subconscious. And so when someone says something like that, they may not think that that was their intention on the forefront, but there's these undertones of it that they're maybe not even picking up themselves when they say something like that. And then, so I, I feel like that's a real opportunity to reflect and say, oh, wait, like maybe I did mean something like that, but not even consciously, right? And, and so it's a moment, like you saying, it, it's a teaching moment or a reflection moment to say like, okay, well, how could I have approached that a little bit differently and, and not got these people's hairs up, right? Because, um, uh, yeah, it really pays to be empathetic and sensitive for sure. 
Yeah. And I, I wanted the whole thing. I didn't, wasn't trying to like start anything. I just really wanted to bring that awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, I hope people understand that when I speak up about stuff that happens, that that is my only intention is to, is to try to make it a teachable moment because I think people just don't know what they say is wrong because they've been surrounded by dudes for the past 20 years and you know, they're used to stuff like that, but you do have to watch what you say when you're assuming people's skill levels, when they are women, because we already Mm -hmm. feel less, you know, less than everybody. And it's not that, it's not that positive. So I think just a couple more, uh, a couple seconds thinking about how you say things would definitely improve and make women feel a little more inclusive. But that, that can you ask your engineers question? Like, I know that that happens to women every day all over the world. So don't do it, dudes, if you're listening. Don't ever start a question like that, please. Unless you want me to hit my keyboard and rant about you and then tell you off on the internet. Because I will, and I have to. It's my duty. (laughs) Um, That connects to something I put to you. And so I wanted to ask you if you had an ask of the community. And I wonder if maybe it's connected to this. Uh, Yeah, totally. Um, I really think that we have an opportunity now to put leadership into a position where they trickle down positivity and inclusive uh, inclusiveness for minorities and women. So I think it's important if anyone is in an influencer or leadership position to make happiness a, par- a priority for people that they interact with and to make any woman that they encounter feel comfortable and um, excited to be part of tech. Yeah, that's huge. And I feel like so many of us are also quite eccentric in many ways, right? And sort of like the super fan event that you're doing next week is like to celebrate those things that make us different because everyone's strengths combine together to make a really powerful uh, community for sure. So I, I love that. Yeah. Like don't, don't get mad that we're on your team. Get excited on what we can bring to the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Emma, if, if you had to define happiness then uh, in that context, how would you, how would you put that? Oh, that's a tough one. It's really hard to define happiness. Um, cause I'm still, I feel like I'm on a lifelong mission to find it. And I keep thinking that I found it, but then I find something else that makes me even happier. So I think anything that really, um, encourages a positive reaction or smiles from whoever you're interacting with, I think is is a good start. Um, just making people feel included, wanted, uh, excited, and confident about their work so that they'll keep doing what they want to do. That's amazing. I, I love that definition. It's pretty good for a happiness expert to share that. So um, Emma, thank you so much for chatting with me and for taking the time uh, to sit with me and, and laugh about all this stuff and, and share a lot of your thoughts and your pinball experiences. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing about 
how the Superfans event goes. Uh, that sounds pretty amazing. Yes, I can't. I want to come on and tell you stories about it because there's always tons of stories afterwards. Great. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be super great. So um, once again, thank you so much. This has been such a treat for me and uh, I hope we get to chat again soon. 